Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 733. Let's make that 734 here at WCCO. All right, our first guest, I'm so excited to interview him. Michael C. Reichert um, is Dr. Reichert, and he is executive director for the Center for the Study of Boys and Girls' Lives at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, let me tell you a little bit about it. Every generation has its concerns when it comes to raising children. In an age that includes social media and discussion on the definition of masculinity, how easy is it? to raise young boys. Well, after reading a New York Times opinion column, I wanted to dig into the challenges of raising young boys in the 2020s. Now, to prove some insight, we've invited Dr. Reichard on this program. And the author of he is the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. He's joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. How are you, sir? Hi, good evening. Nice to, nice, to, nice to be with you. I tell you, if this is what we need to be talking about right now because our children are really not doing well during this pandemic. And when you say, oh, my goodness, we need to really pay attention on how we are raising our boys and our girls, it's the boys that stand out the most to me. Um, I don't know why it's... Um, it's so devastating for the children nowadays. Of course, we know that many of the children are not seeing their parents as often or maybe they're having problems at home. And this pandemic has snatched away so much joy from all of us that when it comes to building those boys and building those girls, um, not all always is it actually happening. Tell us how you began uh, really paying attention on raising a boy. <laughs> Well, you know, I think I, I think I came by it naturally. I had two sons, and uh, um, you know, happened at the time I had my second son to be working at an all boys school outside of Philadelphia. So I was getting a double dose of, uh, you know, really um, being called, I guess, to to think uh, rigorously about boys' development and what they needed from their parents and their teachers. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. The school asked me to create a, uh, a research center, and we gathered together some of the top scholars in boyhood studies from around the country and began really digging into what did we know about boys? What did they need? Um, and, you know, what I first discovered, this was back in 1992, what I discovered was the answer was not much. We mm-hmm. We had lots and lots of 
folks that felt that they knew uh, uh, what boys needed, but for generations, the outcomes of boys' development have not been encouraging, have not validated the theory. So, you know, I kind of went back to the drawing boards and, and decided to apply a more rigorous scientific lens to, uh, in, in particular, to education and ask the question, um, you know, what's working in boys' education? And we gathered uh, 18 schools in six different countries, 1,500 boys age, uh, age, age 12 to 18, and 1,000 of their teachers, and we asked one simple question, what's working in an online survey? And, you know, what we discovered was that uh, uh, essentially what we, what we discovered was that um, all the theories of boys' education out there didn't do justice to how clear boys describe themselves as relational learners, mm. needing a sense of being known and, and cared for by their teachers or coaches uh, before they would be willing to engage, you know, before they would be willing to be vulnerable and go to that outer edge of what they know how to do and ask someone to help them. Um, so, you know, in the, in the, uh, that was back in, 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 you know, back, back uh, maybe, maybe a couple of decades ago now. Um, but that work proceeded once we identified boys as, as relational learners, I began to extrapolate from that study to understanding, uh, for example, what parents need to be thinking about when it comes to raising their sons. And the same essential logic applies, you know, what, what's true in, in how boys learn that they need a sense of being known and cared about is absolutely true in their homes and their families. So <clears throat> helping parents understand uh, how relational boys are, how dependent they are on that sense of being known for who they really are I think that's been the thrust of uh, a lot of my work in in coaching and working with parents. I'm very curious about the age group you just mentioned, um, 12 to, to 18 years old. To me, that seems like we're starting late. Um, wouldn't we want to really look at those boys and how they are growing up by the time they are eight years old? That's a great question, and, and actually, <clears throat> that's where we began our work, but we replicated that same study with boys that were much younger, um, boys that were, just as you said, eight years old, nine years old, and 10 years old, and we found the same themes. We found that, uh, you know, just as when you ask a, a sixth-grade boy or a 10th-grade boy or a 12th-grade boy to tell stories about what's working for them and what's not working for them in schooling. We found the same kinds of themes in the answers that the uh, third, fourth, and fifth grade boys provided to us. So I think that, you know, what we identified was essentially a, a, an essential reality about boys' natures, that they are indeed relational creatures just like, uh, just like girls. Well, I tell you, um, I have a son and I have a daughter, so I've been really fortunate to be able to look deep into that uh, over the years. What surprises me is that um, it used to be the boys were way ahead of the girls when they were, you know, so many more boys in in uh, high school and in college before the girls were really getting there, especially if you were a child of color. 
Um, and I'm just curious to know if these boys feel as though they have the support. What what parent is it? If they're both parents in the home, is it the father that is to really raise them, or is it both other parents that should raise it and, and raise them? And if they do, if both of them raise them, do they need to have someone guide them on how this raising a boy should happen? Well, you pack a lot in your questions. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, um, so I'm going to I'm going to answer some parts of it, but I, I'm not sure I'll remember all of them. Right. Um, uh, so number one thing to say, I think, is that, uh, you know, research on what parents of boys hope for their sons uh, tells us uh, I'm thinking of a recent study um, of 400 parents of boys age six to 14. And when asked what was most important to them as an outcome for their sons, 94% of those parents said that they hoped their sons would be emotionally strong. Mm. Um, much, much higher, much higher agreement with that outcome than, for example, with physical strength. Um, so, you know, it tells me something about what parents of boys are particularly concerned about, what they anticipate that their sons are going to have to face. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's boys of color, which I think, you know, in some ways compounds the uh, the threats and the, the developmental pressures or, or boys who come from more more privilege, uh, more advantage. Um, I think that we all anticipate that our sons are going to be tested. Uh, they're going to face uh, hard challenges and we want them to be able to 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 um, negotiate those challenges and stay strong. One of the problems, though, with what parents think makes for a strong child is that we think we need to toughen our sons by by teaching them to stuff down their feelings, harden themselves, uh, put on a tough front, a stoic front. And, you know, more recent research on what's called uh, uh, traumatic growth mm-hmm. has taught us that some people can come through terrible challenges, traumatic experiences, and actually come out stronger. And you know what differentiates those folks who come out stronger? It isn't that they pretend or stuff their feelings down or, um, you know, distance themselves from their relationships. It's just the opposite. Uh, the ones that are more resilient, more gritty, are ones who actually find ways of being honest about what they're feeling and find someone who can listen to them and know them. So when I talk to parents of boys, essentially what I do is I say, what your son needs most from you is that you create an opportunity for him to be himself, to be authentic, and to really let you, let, let, let you know what he's feeling. Um, boys will get lots and lots of messages from the cultures that they live in, they operate in, um, from their peers and from media and from schools, uh, you know, that, that they need to put on a front, hide behind a mask. At least at home, we're hoping that there's a parent who has enough of a connection with the boy that, that they, the boy can feel freer. Uh, he can, he can take off the mask and, you know, uh, reveal what's really going on so he's not alone with it mm-hmm. in the echo chamber of his own mind. 
Does that make sense? It does, but I wonder how do you define enough? Well, you know, that's the, that's the lovely thing about, uh, I'm a developmental psychologist, and that's the lovely thing about human development. We talk about good enough parenting, and, and what we mean is that we parents try, and we, do, we, we, we give it our best. We try, and, and you know, we, we make mistakes all the time, mm-hmm. but what our children get to see is that we're really pulling for them. We're really trying. And I think a child is, is quite forgiving under those circumstances because what your son will read when you reach for him and keep reaching, even though you're clumsy or you're preoccupied or you're stressed, what your son reads in that is that you're on his side and you're making your best effort. Mm. I, I must ask this question because I, hearing you talk about how the parents are really involved, if, if they are involved and they are really working together to raise that boy, I get it. At the same time, we are very clear as a nation that technology is now a part of the family and that technology is teaching them things that their parents may not want them to know, whether it begins, right, whether it begins at school. So how in the world do you remove that that parental guidance that they're having from technology? Yeah. Uh, How old is your son? Can I ask? My son is 37 years old. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've done your job. <laughs> Are you a grandparent yet? <laughs> I am, indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Well, and it's um, a challenge even as a, grand, uh, a grandparent. I, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I would just say this. The, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm currently involved in, in doing, a, doing a, a, a white paper on boys and pornography. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, the, one of the really hard truths about technology and how it intrudes in boys' lives is that most boys learn sex education by sometimes involuntary exposure to pornography on their smartphones. Right. And, you know, the kinds of things that populate pornography websites have almost nothing to do with the kinds of things that that accurately depict an act of, 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 uh, uh, you know, connection and love and respect between uh, a boy and someone he is affect- feels affection for. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it's crude, it's degrading, um, it's often misogynistic and exploitative, sometimes violent. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what, that's what boys are being exposed to ubiquitously now. And so your question, you know, what can parents do when technology takes over and uh, creates sort of an almost an alternate universe mm-hmm. uh, in the boy's life, whether it's gaming or social media or pornography, you know, that's, that's the truth of it. And I think what the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, recent guidance um, is suggesting is that if we build a relationship with our sons, and our sons trust us not to always scold them or shame them or dominate them or tell them what to do and what not to do, but actually create a space where they can reveal themselves free of that kind of static. Um, Mm. What they'll do is they'll actually share with us, for example, they'll feel freer to share with us that, hey, mom, I came across this site. It was really confusing, troubled me, and 
I didn't know what to make of it. You know, we want them to be able to um, be open about what they're experiencing, whether it's on the Internet or uh, from their peer group. And the only way that happens is if they have a, a place where they can come and they're not going to upset us with what they share. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, I, I am very curious about what you learned through all of this, what you are still um, dealing with right now. And as you see it open up more and you learn more, um, what has surprised you so far? You know, I, I've, I've gotten to talk to lots and lots of audiences of parents uh, all, over the, all over the country, really, and uh, uh, very different kinds of audiences, very different cultures. And I would just say this to you and, and to your listeners. Um, I think there's never been a better time to be raising a son. Mm-hmm. Despite our worries, despite all of the, you know, all the uh, complications of technology and the ways that society is changing, particularly in terms of gender roles, you know, the, the, the compound stresses that affect children of color. Despite all of that, I still think it's true. And the reason I think it's true is that we're actually, uh, honestly, scientifically evaluating how we go about raising sons, I think, for the first time in history, mm. rather than depending on, on prejudice and ideology and, and, and uh, you know, um, you know uh, ancient beliefs, we're actually asking, how well is what we think we know working in the field, for example, of boys' education? The discovery that boys are actually relational learners can revolutionize how we actually go about setting up schools and teach them. And likewise, I think when parents recognize that a big part of our job is less about teaching our sons how to be men and more about helping them reveal who they really are as people in an open way, when we understand that, we're, we're, we're really shifting the paradigm in dramatic ways. And let's not forget that the mother is also involved in raising that boy, and so are the sisters. You know, my my parents had six children, three girls, three boys. And the boys, they learned how to be boys from my father and my mother. That's exactly right. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, you know, one of the the things that affects, I, I don't have to tell you this, you probably know it, but just for the sake of hearing it said, there's a phenomenon that's called the mama's boy myth. A wonderful book by that name, uh, by a journalist Kate Lombardi Stone, and essentially uh, she she interviewed lots and lots of mothers of sons around the country, and what she heard echoed over and over again was that mothers would become afraid that if they kept their sons too close, they would undermine their 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 manhood, they would turn them into mama's boys, and and that 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 threat that so many mothers felt, you know, that, that, that they, they might ruin their sons by following their instincts to, to stay close to him. That really does uh, impact many families uh, and the relationship many mothers enjoy with their sons. A big part of what I do when I talk to audiences of parents is I say, mothers, um, that's, that's not true. Trust your gut. Your son needs you. He wants to be known by you. And the last thing in the world he needs is for you to abandon him because you're afraid. 
My goodness, I could talk to you for a whole nother hour. I'm so <laughs> grateful that you joined us tonight. Um, to have you on really matters. What you are talking about, people are going to want to know about this book. It's called The Mommy's Boy Book. Is that it? The Mama's Boy Myth is, is that book. That's right. Okay, The Mama's Boy Myth. All right. Thank you so much for giving us this information, and thank you for joining us. I hope to have you back on to talk about the girls as well. Good, that is Dr. Michael Rooker. Thank you so much, sir. Take care. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.